Welcome to Nutrition Navigators Podcast, bringing nutrition and wellness to you. Welcome back for the final and fourth episode of our food and culture series. We've been hosting different individuals across campus that have ties to different cultures to learn and celebrate. Culture is for everybody, and it's about celebration of that culture, even if it's not your own. We're exploring different cultures through food because the story of food is the story of who we are. My name is Ashley Monroe. I'm one of the nutrition counselors at Campus Health and the advisor for this program. I'm joined today by Brandy and Diana, two dietetic interns that were doing a rotation through Campus Health during the recording for this episode. Our guest today is Dominique Galsa. Dominique currently serves as the director for the Guerrero Student Center at the University of Arizona, where she supports the recruitment, retention, and community readiness of Latinx students. She received both her BA in psychology and her master's in Mexican-American studies from the University of Arizona. Dominique is a community educator who has served students and families for the past 18 years in the areas of mental and behavioral health substance abuse and misuse, suicide prevention, sexual health, equitable education, and indigenous cultural awareness. Dominique is committed to the educational advancement and holistic well-being of minoritized communities in these desert lands where she has lived and loved throughout her life. She likes to spend time watching movies and going on road trips with her partner and their two kids. Today we're going to be discussing uh, the Latinx culture and how we can celebrate culture through food and community within the Latinx and how diverse that culture in and of itself is. And Dominique really does a beautiful job of taking us through her own family traditions and just a really great conversation about different ways that we can um, support the celebration and respect of different cultures in our communities. So without further ado, let's welcome Dominique to our show. Dominique, it's really nice to meet you. Thank you so much for being here with us and taking the time to talk a little bit more about the Latin culture um, as well as heritage, the heritage that we come from. Um, so can you please tell us our and our audience who you are and what you do here on campus as well as a little bit about um, how you define the culture? Sure, yeah. Um, so, Newano toca Dominic Calza, Nichaneko Samayo, Nikal Polito Shikali, Nitlamanalka. My name is Dominic Calza. I am the director of the Adalberto and Ana Guerrero Student Center. We are one of the cultural and resource centers on campus, and we support Latinx students um, through culturally affirming programs and events that really cultivate a sense of belonging and create that kind of like home away from home for students. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I was curious, like how important is food in your culture? And um, is there any kind of misconceptions about food in your culture? Food is super important in our culture, um, right? I, as, as, a as a Mexican indigenous person, that's the way that I identify. Food is an integral part of everything that we do, right? Um, I think when we're speaking about Latinx culture, it's so varied and it's so diverse. And food is part of that way that we can also share our culture and our identity with people that are like us and not like us, right? So I think to me, 
food is is like this way that we can connect with people and each other. There's so many celebrations, ceremonies that are really guided by food. Um, so sharing with a, a meal with family, with friends, with community is really something that I feel is really a central part of different of different Latinx cultures, right? Misconceptions, I feel like there's a lot. So living here in the Sonoran Desert, in the Southwest, right, in these desert lands, I think when people think about, you know, Latinx cuisine, they think Mexican, they think Mexican food, they think tacos, burritos, quesadillas, mm-hmm. um, and even, you know, that that Mexican food is really greasy, or it's very, or everything is fried, or it's very, or it's less healthy. And actually, I mean, the the majority of, of traditional dishes of the Americas, they're, they're vegan and gluten free, right? If you really think mm-hmm. about it, they're really based on um, traditional foods like corn, right? Beans, squash, um vegetables things like that and so i think that's that's a major misconception um especially for folks living here is that anytime you think about latinx food you're thinking about mexican food um and so i think there's and and even thinking about mexican food there's really a big there's big regional differences right the food from northern Mexico compared to southern Mexico is very different you know so you can get so so for folks that know right you can get into heated debates on (laughs) is menudo supposed to be red or white right (laughs) should your tamales be wrapped in corn or banana leaves you know so I think there's there's just really there's there's a lot of diversity that sometimes goes unseen and unrecognized when we're thinking about Latinx food cuisine, right? I have so many questions when you mention the diversity, even within the Latinx community. I don't think it's always understood how many different cultures that word even encompasses, right? Like, and I think, yeah, I I don't know. Sometimes that in of itself, there's these regional differences when it comes to food, there's cultural differences. Um, I love this concept of like, there's heated debates about even what, how to kind of prepare or eat the same recipe even. Um, And so I think there are so many misconceptions, but I also think there's this, maybe some unawareness and maybe that's just in the Southwest. Like I grew up here. So maybe there's also this unawareness of like how diverse even the Latinx community is and people kind of identify it as one note or, and maybe that's part of the assimilation. I don't, I don't know exactly why that is. Do you have any idea why that is? Or I'm just glad we're talking about it. Yeah, I think, you know, identity is so special and sacred and important and sometimes unimportant to people, you know, so it becomes not just your own personal feeling, right, and how you identify, but what community do you identify with? Um, So, you know, Hispanic is a term, you know, that was created by the government, you know, and and words continue to change and transform, right? And there's, you know, there was a a shift to using the term um, Latin or Latino, Latina, um, and that has transformed into now a more gender neutral term of using Latinx, right? Which 
was birthed in academia, you know, and in when you're when you're speaking Spanish, so right, um, and you're wanting to be more gender gender neutral, you would say Latine with an E at the end. And so there's, there's just a lot of different ways, you know, and, and we could get into the political pieces about it. And, and for me, you know, for me, it's really the way that I identify myself as in an indigenous person that's attempting to retribalize, right, and really kind of decolonize some of those identities. It, it's really kind of looking at those, those traditions, yeah. you know, and going back into where, where do, where do I fit in? What community do I belong to, you know, um, and what we're seeing mostly, right, and this is kind of can be backed by research is that when you ask people how they identify, um, even, you know, within people that would be, um, you know, grouped as Hispanic, um, the majority of folks will give you a country of origin, even if it's not, you know, even if they were born in the United States themselves, you know, they'll, they'll identify or, you know, name themselves based on the country of origin of their parents or their grandparents or their ancestors, you know, so people would identify as Mexican or Mexican American or Cuban or Puerto Rican or Nicaraguan, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I feel like it's really this so much diversity, mm -hmm. right? And you can really see that in not in, in all the aspects of culture, you know, and food yeah. is just one entry point, like music, right? Yeah. Like film, like all of the arts and ways in which we can connect with each other on those commonalities, but then also celebrate the diversity mm -hmm. as well. And I love the piece um, that you mentioned earlier about like culture and in food in particular is how we share our culture and how we kind of share that expression with other other folks and the comment around or the discussion around common misconceptions I actually think it's so interesting when it comes to food and part of this is being in the nutrition field I think even those of us who work in nutrition as we learned about nutrition food got so complicated because there were all these misconceptions for these cultural foods. And I think those of us that identify within those cultures even felt like, oh, wait, is that wrong? Like, is my food not good for me? Is my food just this one note that they're saying? And it's like, it isn't. And it's so much more than that. And it's disappointing because it almost makes you feel bad about enjoying the foods from your culture because it like doesn't always align with what you're taught when it's almost like well there needs to be this like almost decolonization of people's plates and there needs to be this discussion of like traditional foods and and what it means and really taking shame away from all foods in general but I think there are misconceptions about lots of cultural foods because they don't align with the majority or they don't align with the dominant culture definitely I mean I think there's definitely a lot of a lot of shame in diet culture, right? Mm -hmm, there's, totally. um, you know, like you mentioned, there's, there's a lot of, you know, stigma attached to certain foods sometimes, um, or even people's, you know, traditional foods, you know, yeah. so it, it's hard to kind of engage people um, using these, you know, more traditional diet type of thing right like the frameworks yes and those frameworks when you're talking about 
restricting people's ties to their culture, right? Which is embedded in food. Totally. And so if you're saying like, oh, I can't have tortillas anymore, or like, oh, I can't have those beans because maybe my nana used lard in them, you know, mm-hmm. it, it becomes something that further um, alienates people and further moves people away from those from their cultural heritage literally nothing gets me fired up more than when we like have these restrictive diets that people are given and I'm and it's a complete it's like a complete disrespect to their <laughs> their culture and their their way of living for so long and I just definitely nothing gets me fired up more. and it's an erasure yeah you know? it's an erasure and a forced assimilation to mainstream ideology I have lots of words leave it, for it. I'll leave it at that. I know I'm like, I have lots of words for it, but maybe we'll, we'll transition. So um, with that, and just, I think this, you know, the food and culture series has been such a fun way to learn more about, about people. And, uh, and if it's okay to ask you to talk or speak a little bit to any of your family traditions around food or some examples of how food maybe tells a story in your family or represents your family. Yeah, for sure. So my both my mother and father are from um, are from Mexico, from northern Mexico. So are both sets of my grandparents. And so my, um, you know, my relationship to food and my culture is very much based on that experience. And for me, I I have a horrible memory. Some of the earliest memories I st- I have that are still vivid are tied back to food, Mm -hmm. right? So I can still remember visiting, you know, my manina, my nana in Mexico and watching as she made tortillas in her kitchen by hand um, and waiting to kind of like take those first ones that were still warm Mm. coming off of the comal, right? Like I can, I still have the, I can close my eyes and picture it all. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember... You know, I remember my tío harvesting a goat and, you know, digging a hole in the yard and burying the meat and covering it up and it taking all day long, but being able to prepare that, being able to prepare that birria for my cousin's quinceañera, you know, I can remember that and how it's tied again to our, to our traditions, to our coming of age ceremonies. Right. Um, I know that I I mentioned menudo before. So for Mm -hmm. people that don't know, that's like a soup that's made from hominy and English word tripe, I think Mm -hmm. is the English word for it. And it's it's usually served during like the winter season. So like Christmas, New Year's and my, you know, uh, something that that's really like so dear to me is that my partner, Um, actually through my mother inherited my grandmother's recipe Um, so that's something that we're able to share you know with with our own children you know Um, because it it can be an acquired taste (laughs) menudo right Um, you can't think about it too much to really fully enjoy it I feel like Um, you start kids off like with just the corn or just the hot yeah you know graduated as you get older Yes, yes. So, you know, so th- so those are things that that are that are just really important to me, you know. I think for for my children now, right? Like we're in October now, come November, December, 
my own kids, they know that they're going to be eating tamales pretty regularly in these next couple of in these next couple of months right and that in my family it's become you know in in within my with my partner and you know our mothers and our children it's become this yearly tradition to prepare the tamales together right and to be able to to see that from start to finish yeah. right uh, a dream of mine would be to be able to grow my own corn and you know harvest our own meat and be able to do that from start to finish you know gardening is, is something that's important to, to our traditions and to my family and you know moving so many different times sometimes we've had a garden sometimes we haven't and so um that that's also kind of an important piece for us to be to have that connection yeah. to our food and yeah. where our food comes from and why we eat certain things you know during during certain times and so all of those are, are very important for me to be able to pass on to to my children and then to be able to share with others too and does that do your kids do do they participate in the in the cooking process or in the like the making of the food definitely it's it's all hands on deck and if you've ever made tamales you know it's like an all day thing it's physically exhausting <laughs> you know but the, there's so many you know like in so many cultures right the kitchen is where so many conversations happen yeah. right where you learn so many of those oral histories and traditions from the elders in your family yeah. right um and so so that's an important and and for us like a sacred space right yeah. being able to to share in that and yes you know some years they're more excited than others and yes you know a couple weeks into tamale season they're <laughs> over it <laughs> But they look forward to it, you yeah. know, and they and they they know it's coming up. Mm -hmm. And even think when you when you don't have it as much, like I remember coming to college and not having some of those more traditional things that I maybe complained about as a kid. They're what I miss the most. And they're what I quickly figured out how to make myself so that I didn't miss them anymore. Definitely. Right. And then so you have those those connections. And I know for for myself, you know, I, we joke around as a family, but we we rarely go, we, we like to go out to eat, sure. but we rarely eat out Mexican food because, 100%. you know, and there's so the, the Mexican food in Tucson is amazing. Yeah. There's so many good places, but for us, it's, you know, like that's part of our everyday and like, you know, I'll, I'll never eat a tamal in a restaurant because mm -hmm. I know my nanas are the best, right? And mm -hmm. so like, why would I have them somewhere else, right? Yeah. My partner makes the best calabacita, so mm -hmm. why would I eat them somewhere else, you know? So you yeah. kind of have, you kind of take ownership over some of those things and, and you become a little, a little picky sometimes, you know? The biggest compliment and the funniest thing, my husband, who is in a different culture than I am, um, and he, someone asked him, because my parents live here in Tucson, and he, someone asked him, you know, where's the best Mexican food to eat in Tucson? And he's like, not prompted by me. He's like, Ashley's mom's house. And I was like, oh, you're scoring right, right there. <laughs> so that was fun. Yes. That was fun. That's such, that's such a true point too. I feel like you, and I feel 
like going out to eat, like you kind of want to go out and enjoy food that's different, or you want to enjoy food that like you wouldn't make at home. Like I, I always try to choose things that like are way more complicated that I wouldn't maybe make at home. Cause sometimes that's like the fun part. Like you're out anyway. Definitely. I, I, I love having Indian out. Mm. So like samosas are my, so that's where it's at. So good. Especially if they come, I like, they come on with the dipping sauces. Yes. Um, uh, you mentioned menudo, you mentioned tamales, you mentioned bivia, and you mentioned one other food at the beginning, I feel like. But do you have a favorite dish, I guess? I know tacos. You tacos. Tacos are my favorite. I could eat... <laughs> I could eat tacos every day, morning, noon, and night. My family never asks me where I want to eat or when I want to eat because it's always tacos, any kind. Um, so, yeah, I could survive off of tacos for sure. Who's the best cook in your house? My partner. Okay. For sure. <laughs> That's fun. That's super fun. I have some, you know, I have some dishes that I can make, but it's not, yeah. it's not a you know, it's not my strength. It's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. Your belly feels a little happier if your partner yes. is <laughs> Yes. All the flavors. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you for taking us like a little through your, the journey of, I love the point too, of being able to close your eyes and how food can transport us and how food is like such a thing to be shared and cherished. And I think the, the passing down of recipes, the passing down of those traditions it's how we keep it alive too. It's like how you, how our culture stays alive in our kids and in going forward. And yeah, I think it's just so important um, and such a fun thing to share and connect with other people. Definitely. So I also uh, love the tradition of our foods. Personally, tacos are also my favorite. Yes. I would, if I had to pick though, I would say the green chili chicken Tacos are top notch, one of mm. my, but probably could survive off tacos as well. It's something I try to keep alive in the tradition of our home. I made them once because I was so intimidated to make it. I didn't think that I could do it anywhere near as good as my mom or anywhere near as good as my Nana. So I kind of tried to keep them in mind as I'm preparing the recipe and they came out so good. I was so proud of myself. Yay! I could make my culture proud. <laughs> yes, the tradition lives on in you, Brandy. It does, it does. But it's funny because, you know, making tamales or things that are more complicated, they are intimidating. And I, I think because our Nanas just know how to make them so good. And yeah. anytime I ask for the recipe, she's, she kind of goes around it and she's just kind of, oh, I do this. I do that. I just throw a little bit of this. In there yes. I tell her, I'm like, no, no, that doesn't help me. <laughs> no, it's hard because I'm not, I'm not a natural cook. And so I'm very much like, you know, give me a recipe and I will follow it to the T. But if you come at me with like, you know, un poquito de esto, un poquito de esto, hay Latinas, like you'll figure it out, taste it. I'm like, how much is a little bit? How much is right. a pinch? How much is un poquito? Like, you know, it's it's hard to to figure it out. But again, right? Okay. Like that comes with 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 years of perfecting this recipe and so much, you know, love and care that you know that that people put into their food. 
Yeah. And so it becomes different. You know, I'm sure that your, you know, your recipe is just as good as your mom and your nana's, but also very different, right? Because you're putting your own flavor and love and intention into that dish too. Yeah, that's very true. I agree. It's uh, wonderful to see the variations that kind of come through generations, especially when you become a little bit more Americanized or your, your diet kind of changes and the variety that you can incorporate to make those slight taste differences, but still stemming from that culture, you know, that's where it's rooted. So for, sure. um, for, for people who are interested in, in having more of that taste of the Hispanic culture, are there any resources or places that you think your students that would be willing to, you know, kind of branch out and explore more? So many, so many. So, so I think, so I really love the chicken mole um, and handmade tortillas from La Indita. Those are my fave. Um, I also really like pupusas from Selena Salvadorian restaurant, ropa vieja plate from Patricia's Cuban kitchen, just to kind of like mix it up a little bit for folks. Um, And then my go-tos, my go-tos is Sonoran hot dogs from Ruiz hot dogs. It's a cart on sixth Avenue and 22nd. Amazing. Yeah. And then my favorite tacos are the birria tacos from Ensenada Street Food, and they're on South Park. Um, and I think all of them, I don't know if Ruiz Hot Dogs has an Instagram, but all the other foods are on Instagram. Okay. Um, all the other places. So you can definitely check them out. We always they're, link they're to great. all of them in the show notes so that students can find them and, awesome. them and look for them. And I know um, Aromas had um, the Patricia's Cuban Kitchen. Yes. And it was so good. I had never had that never had her her food and it was oh my gosh it was so good and you got so much I was like oh my goodness my belly is so happy and <laughs> yes. it was such a fun it was a beautiful day too with a little rain yes yes so I'm glad that you mentioned Aromas so yes. um with the Guerrero Student Center um Aromas is an event right now where I'm looking at doing it maybe bi-monthly okay Um, So the last one we had was in September. I'm looking to have another one mid-November. But it's really an event that is centered around food. So so we have food from local Latinx small businesses and the food changes each time. So we've been really intentional about, one, using this event to be able to highlight different Latinx cuisine, right? So it's not just Mexican food, but you can try, you know, indigenous food, you can try Cuban food, right? Um, And so kind of also an opportunity to show that diversity within the, um, within our cuisine, Mm -hmm. and also support you know, support Latinx small businesses. Um, And so during that time, you know, we have a, we have a plate, people can take, people can also stay. um, And the really 
besides the food, which is always great. Um, the other big part about that event is that we invite our um, Hispanic alumni, some of which we interact with us like abuelitas, abuelitos, madrinas, padrinos, tios, tias, right? And to really sit and enjoy a meal with students. And so using that time to be able to connect with them, to do this, you know, short-term mentoring with them and kind of be able to be, you know, lend advice or just hear a story. And so it's really an opportunity for us to re to be able to engage, you know, intergenerationally that way through food, right? right? And being able to, again, really foster that sense of having this home away from home, right? When you can enjoy this meal and also engage with your elders, with community members, right? For so many of us, maybe growing up, we, you know, we're used to, to multi-generational homes, right. right? To engaging with our grandparents, you know, with our parents, with our younger siblings and, and um, cousins and all of those things. And so um, Aromas is really an event where we're able to kind of provide a little bit of that you know, familial connection to students mm -hmm. on campus. And so that's something that, that um, we're, we're really proud of an event that, that, you know, has been going on as for over 20 years, because as an, as an undergrad, um, when I was here at the U of A, I went to Aromas. Mm -hmm. um, and so as, as a student that came from, I, I grew up in Mesa, Arizona. And so I came to the U of A on my own, right? And and I remember the Guerrero Center being that space for me and Aromas being a place, a time where I could connect to those elders and I could, you know, share a meal that was familiar to me, you know, in a space with people that had similar experiences to me. Um, and so that's just really, it's really beautiful, you know, and, and I'm happy that we're able to, con that I'm able to continue that tradition as, as the, the new director of the Guerrero Center um, and be able to share that with students, not just our Latinx students on campus, but also campus-wide as well. And so our next one will be, like I mentioned, in mid-November. Um, and the best way to kind of follow up and know what, what we have going on is, to follow us on Instagram um, and we'll put notices of when our next event, you know, when Adelmas would be or when our next events would be as well. That's wonderful. And this, this episode will be scheduled to go out in November. So we'll be sure to like put all this information on there. And um, awesome. we were lucky enough to some of us to go to the September event and it is, I think beautiful is a perfect world is word to describe it. It's just really welcoming. Everybody was so kind and welcoming. I met um, a first year student who was there all by herself, just like jumping right in. And it's such a welcoming space, I think, for, for so many students. And I think campus is so lucky to have you all. Yeah, it's really a great, it's really such a great program. Are there any other things um, going on at the Career Center that you'd like for to like highlight or mention if folks have never moved over there? Yeah, so we have um, we have a student lounge, right? So um, there's opportunities. We're located on the second floor of the Cesar Chavez building, um, which is a little like, kind of like adjacent to Old Main. And yeah, students can come in in between classes, hang out. We have a fridge, people can leave their food. You can heat up your food. We also have 
different events that happen throughout the year, right? Um, and we also have, that's new and some of the other um, cultural centers have as well, is we have a CAPS embedded counselor this year. And so students are able to access mental health support directly from the Guerrero Center, which is great. Um, so those are some of the things that that we have going on and, and kind of new as well. Awesome. And yay, Hector. He's amazing. Yes, he <laughs> is. He is. And that's just a way, you know, I think, um, especially for minoritized group, it's it can be hard and intimidating to connect to mental health support at all. Yeah. Right. And so having someone that maybe you identify with culturally or in yeah. some kind of way to help you navigate that process, I think is very beneficial and very amazing. Right? It just makes it more accessible. Yeah. Okay, so Dominique, uh, thank you so much for sharing all these great information and resources. Um, so what we do at the end of the conversation is just to ask you three questions. Okay, just okay. to learn a little bit more about you. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> if you could only eat three foods ever again, what would they be? I feel like I should have reviewed these questions because I could have came ready. Um, <laughs> well, tacos for sure. I already threw that one out there. So tacos, really any kind, tamales, and just for something sweet, mangos, probably. I like, I like mangoyadas. I don't know if folks, folks that don't know what that is, it's like a super extra way to like eat a mango. <laughs> so you put <laughs> chile, you know, you put chamoy on it, you put lemon, you put all the things on a mango and it tastes delicious. Maybe you even put it, you know, put incorporated raspado into it. So mm, yeah, good. so a little sweet, a little savory, yeah. a little spicy. That, that's, that's, that's how I'm going. That's perfect. And do you prefer breakfast or dinner? Breakfast, breakfast all the way. Yeah, and what type of breakfast is your favorite? I don't know any you know what it's so weird anytime I go out to eat breakfast I have like the most basic breakfast I'm like, like a eggs two eggs <laughs> yeah I'm like a two egg, two scrambled eggs bacon uh, potatoes and toast kind of person everywhere mm -hmm. I go for breakfast um but at home I like I like huevos rancheros. I like chilaquiles. So I like I like traditional Mexican breakfast at home. But uh, you know, when I go out to eat, it's like all American plate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then the last question: If you could have dinner with three people, and they could be dead or alive, who would they be? That would that would be my family. That'd be my partner and our two kids. I think as as they're growing older, um, I'm just you know I'm just way more aware of like how quickly time is passing, and how important it is to like cherish that time that we have together. You know, my my daughter is a junior right now in high school and so I'm like she's leaving soon you know so I'm like I got a transition as a parent to like what is that going to be like and so I think any time that we have to spend together especially around food is you know is 
special to me so definitely my, my family present. Mm -hmm. <laughs> present intentional and just yes the most of it right yes so thank you, Dominique, so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for sharing with our students all the great resources, uh, all the yummy dishes, all the traditions, the window into your family. It's so special and it's so sacred and sharing the culture is such a big, important piece. So we appreciate your time and we appreciate what you do for all the U of A students on campus. Thank you all. Thank you all for this time and for the invite. It was just great to be able to to chat and share and talk about food. Yeah. So anytime. Our favorite topic. Take yes. care. Bye. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Please share with your friends and connect with us on all our campus health social channels. You can also email us at chs-nutritionnavigators at email.arizona.edu to submit your questions and comments about the show and how you enjoyed the food and culture series since this was our first round of celebrating different cultures throughout our community. We're sponsored by Campus Health and our program in health promotion and preventive services. We want to thank Dominique from the, U the UA Guerrero Center for coming on the show and taking the time to talk with us. It was such a fun conversation and all of the links are in the show notes if you're interested in sampling some of the yumminess that Dominique shared with us today. Our food and culture series is also uh, endorsed by the Diversity and Inclusion Committee here at Campus Health, where we aim to learn and grow as individuals and celebrate our differences in the ways we are the same. This was so fun. I hope you learned a lot. Please rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice and let us know how we can better support you as being diverse humans in this U of A campus community. Thanks again. Until next time, be well, Wildcat.